All right, we're back here at J. Tom Lawler Arena on the campus of Merrimack College, where the score after two is Merrimack three, UMass Lowell nothing. Tonight's second intermission is brought to you by Palmer's Restaurant of Andover. With great food, drink, and service, Palmer's is the place to be for your pregame meal or your postgame celebration. Our guest here, second intermission, is the fine college hockey writer for the for ESPN Boston, Brian O'Connor, and uh, two periods here, uh, Brian, I would say, for Merrimack Club that's had trouble uh, putting the puck in the net lately. The first period was just what the doctor ordered. Absolutely. Um, they've been really, really opportunistic, and it's going to be the way that Merrimack's going to win games this year. They're going to win scoring by committee. You know, every single game, they're going to have someone else step up. They, they were crashing the net. Uh, a couple of greasy goals, um, aside from Kyle Vigos' uh, last from the point. So I, I think that's going to be how they score goals this year. You know, it seems like when this team, and I know you, you've seen a lot of this club over the last uh, few years, when they've had success, a lot of times it's been because they've had the puck most of the time. I know Mark Denny, he's trying to play the same kind of puck possession game, and he's been successful to a large degree. Uh, you know, as, as one of his mentors, uh, Don Tukahun, has been able to do it at UMass and before that at Princeton. So, hey, I mean, it's, it's a simple proposition, isn't it? If you have the puck, then the other guys can't score. If the other guys can't score, you can't lose, right? Right. Well, that's that's true to a point. Um, you know, what I see most with Merrimack is uh, really the willingness to outwork the other team. Um, you know, they're, they're a track meet team. They, they don't, they chase really get after it, and they make a lot of defenses uncomfortable with their forechecking, and I see that as their real strong suit. Um, you'd love to have puck possession, but in the way that the game's played now, it's just really, really tough to do, because it's track it's a 100-yard dash, it's not the old miler games that we used to see. At the same time, tonight at least, uh, you know, we'll see how it translates down to the, re- the rest of the stretch. But they've been pretty successful at working the puck in the corners, digging it out, cycling the puck there. I mean, that the, the Bates line has been very effective in particular, and, and I would say also the Todd line, the senior line, the top line. Really, no question about it. Um, I, I think they've just got an extra step on goal tonight. They've got, had them back on their heels, and that's, again, the secret to their success. They've been muckers, they're working down hard low, they're, re- they're just out working the River Hawks. That's what I'm saying. Joe Canada strong back there. I mean, both of these goaltenders had played well. We, we, we focused on each goaltender in the pregame, and, and, and I said, these could be your goaltenders on the hall on the All Hockey East team this year. Am, am I off base there? Um, I, I don't think so. Um, Doug Carr has been a real revelation. He um, came in as freshman last year, really struggled. Came out uh, during um, during the summer that he was dealing with a lot of injuries, and he's showing just what kind of goaltender he can be. Joe Canada's proven himself over and over. Big body, moves really well, never seems to be out of position, um, makes the saves look easy, which is exactly what you want from your goaltender. I'm not sure that uh, Friday night is Doug Carr's favorite night after getting shelled last week against uh, Boston University, but he bounced back to have a, just a tremendous game at Aganis to steal the win for the Riverhawks last Saturday, and I think he showed in the second period just what kind of goaltender he is. Uh, a couple of great saves, uh, that rebound save on Bates on the two-on-one, um, stuffed another a low crease shot um, just towards the end of the period to keep the River Hawks within the striking distance. So, you know, uh, uh, Kieran Milan at BU is going to be in the mix. Um, but 
you know, it's, it would be tough to argue with Kanata and Carr at, as your hockey's goaltenders. Looking at uh, some of the other possible honors in the coach of the year, I would think has got to go to Norm Bazan and, and rookie of the year. I would I would have to think that, uh, that Scott Wilson would be right there. Yeah, you know, it, it's really interesting, Mike. I, I was uh, talking with Jack Parker after the Lowell win last Saturday, and he was very gracious in his praise of Norm Bazin. He's done a phenomenal job. You can't take anything away from him to come in um, and really put the pieces together as quickly as he has. The turnaround's just been amazing, going from five wins all of last year to 20 wins at this point. It's really quite remarkable. At the same time, Jack pointed out that this is his first year, and these are the players that Blaze McDonald has put in place. And uh, I, I thought Jack was uh, really torn because I think in, in this league, as both Jack and Jerry York at Boston College always like to say, it's it's the players that make the teams. And obviously good coaching has a lot to do with that. Mark Dennehy has shown that here at Merrimack. And Norm has really put together this um, a cohesive unit, but at the same time, I think Blaze McDonald, who's now, as you know, is an assistant at UMass, really deserves some credit for putting the pieces in place, and Norm has been able to take those pieces and really put together a fine team. Yeah, and as you said, he did recruit Blaze McDonald, did recruit the team, and and, uh, and they were a very young team last year, and I remember Lowell, at the beginning of the year, looking like they were outclassed many nights, like they just didn't belong in the ice with some of the teams they were playing against, and by the second half of the year, and near the end, I I realized it was too little too late at that point, but they were playing a lot better. Yeah, they're a feisty team. Um, you know, I, I've got to tell you, I, I look at these two teams, despite the score, and despite Merrimack being a little bit more opportunistic, I, I really see these two teams as mirror images of themselves, of each other. Uh, they've both got solid goaltending, they've got really quick, agile, tough-nosed, shot-blocking defensemen, and they've got ferocious uh, forechecking forwards. They really get after it. And so, you know, you look at these two teams, and, you know, there's not, aside from the color of their uniforms, there's not a whole lot telling them apart, really. Talking with Brian O'Connor from ESPN Boston, and the score is Merrimack 3, Lowell nothing. Well, after tonight, there's only three games left in the regular season well, for everybody except UNH and Maine. And uh, and so we're that close now to the playoffs. And for some teams, uh, they're probably already just about in the NCAA tournament. I mean, some teams rank as highly at you know, Boston College, as high as they are. I even wonder if it would be possible for BU to fall out. I know they're still pretty high. Uh, I know Lowell, if Lowell were to struggle, it could happen. Maine is, is still in the middle right there, which means they could go and, and uh, you know either hang where they are or drop a bit. And Merrimack's got to pretty much do pretty well from here on out in order to get in. But how do you see things shaking out for, you know, from this point on? <laughs> Taking into account who everybody plays and what the quarterfinals are, are likely to look like. You know, Mike, that's a great question. Uh, if you had asked anybody at the beginning of the season how the, um, how the hockey standings were going to look at this point, you, know, you would never expect to see Lowell, number two. Uh, so there, there's always room for surprises. Northeastern had a great quarterfinal win last year when they knocked out BU. And now they're fighting for their playoff life. Um, you know, last I looked, they were tied against Maine 2-2. So, you know, they've got an outside chance of sneaking in. And, you know, your prize for finishing eighth is to run up against the Boston College team that seems to be hitting on all cylinders right now. BU is looking, you know, again... BU has a playoff spot locked up if they take care of business. But they have a potentially dangerous weekend in Vermont because they, um, boy, that could really hurt you in the pairwise if they drop a couple in Burlington. And 
And so, and and then of course, if they get knocked out in the quarterfinals, that could you know that, that could hold sway. So you know, you're looking at um, coming out of hockey East, the strongest contenders you've got for uh, making the NCAA's. I think would be Lowell. Boston College, Boston University. Merrimack is one of those bubble teams. You know, right now they're 16 in the pairwise. They need to have a really strong finish, and they, uh, it would really be beneficial to them if they had a strong run in the hockey's playoffs as well. Well, before I let you go, I'll just get your quick take on. I mean, it's a pretty busy week, I guess, in college hockey. First of all, uh, I know everybody's uh, you know feeling for you know down at BU, BU a situation that happened down there, and uh, a lot, of, a lot of uh, you know, I guess. Uh, you know, things that could be said have been said about that during this week. But, uh, um, you know, i got to think that for the, for the, especially for Jack Parker and the folks close to the BU program, it's been a you know, difficult year for some of the things that have happened. It's not the kind of things that they are used to having happen, and nobody likes to see those things happen. But where do they go from here? Well, I think it's really important not to be a Pollyanna about this. Um, anyone who thinks that there is some potential for this to happen at almost any college campus is really fooling themselves. Um, I, I think it's a credit to Jack Parker that um, they've taken swift action on both the Corey Trevino and the Max uh, Castro situations. At the same time, there's, there's some serious questions that have to be asked, and it can have a huge impact. On the flip side, it can also be a galvanizing effect. It can really bring a team who's still together, it can bring them closer together. Max Castro went out with a shoulder injury a couple of weeks ago, and they played some of their best hockey. Now, of course, there's going to be distractions. Uh, it's not unlike Tim Thomas, you know, making Facebook statements where now you've got a lot of press who are asking questions that aren't about hockey. And and that is a distraction, and, that's, and it's hard to build team unity. So, you know, it, it's tough, though, you know. Uh, it's the cult of personality that really comes into play here. And these kids are stars on campus. And, you know, it's something that you really have to be careful of at, at any college campus. Unfortunately for BU, um, it's, it's a very, very hot spotlight that's on that program right now. And deservedly so. There are some tough questions that need to be answered. And certainly, uh, you know, the most important thing is the, uh, the young woman who was the victim there. Hopefully, uh, you know, she, she'll be, everything will work out okay for her. And, and, you know, I guess that's the, one of the biggest things is that if it, if it shines a light on that situation and, you know, as you mentioned, the, the cult of personality or almost the entitlement that's felt by some, you know, student athletes or pro athletes, college athletes or whatever, if something's able to be done, you know, in that regard to raise the attention and, and, and maybe get everybody else involved because it's really good. I think it has to be it's a community thing isn't it it's not going to be the case where you say well the coach can stop that because how can he stop that he's not with them 24 hours a day well I do think it's really important Mike you bring up a really good point it's it's one thing to be reactive and Jack Parker has done that he's taken the steps um, both Corey Trevino and Max DeCastro were booted off the team quickly um, it was a decisive action the important step now is to be proactive these Young men are part of the uh, college community. They've been given a fantastic opportunity to play a sport that we all love to not only to watch, but many of us love playing. And they shouldn't take advantage of that. Um, they, they should respect that. And, and that goes for any college athlete right across the board in my book. Very wise words there. Uh, Brian, before we let you go, uh, again, ESPN Boston, ESPNBoston.com. Uh, you're, you're covering this game. Uh, you mentioned also you've got, a, I believe, you've got a goaltending block. Oh, I do. Uh, I, 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 uh, I have a column for uh, the New 
article. It's called The Goalie Guru, and it's uh, and you can find the blog at thegoalieguru.com. There you go. Brian O'Connor has been with us, our guest in the first, uh, second intermission. Brian, thanks. It's great to see you as always. Take care. Real pleasure, Mike. Thanks for having me. All right. Brian O'Connor is our guest here. The score after two periods. It is Merrimack 3 and UMass Lowell nothing.